everybody, I'm Matt Castillo with Danny Small for this episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Uh, a loaded show here today. Um, it's probably been about a week and a half since we've had an episode recorded. So we already kind of went into this with a lot of things to kind of discuss. Um, you know, of course, uh, tomorrow, this is being recorded on a, a Monday. Uh, tomorrow is the matchup against the, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so that right then and there is, is a big topic. Uh, but today broke the news early today that there's a shakeup finally with the starting rotation uh, that Kimball Walker is not going to be starting and Alex Burke is going to remain the starting point guard for the Knicks. Not even just so much that Kimba is not starting. He's completely out of the rotation. Tibbs went as far as saying that he's not going to be in the rotation for the foreseeable future. Um, and one of those things, first off, for Kimba's sake, I feel for him. You know, I, I've always loved uh, Kimba Walker. Was excited that he, he came here finally. Um, but it, as Tib says, he feels like this is the best thing for the team. Uh, and that's something that I agree with. Um, first off, I'm no longer calling him Alex Burks. I'm calling him Mr. Fourth Quarter because just magic happens in the fourth quarter when he's out was, there on the floor. He was the third quarter the other day, though. Yeah it, was the th- yeah, it was the third quarter the other day. But, I mean, down the stretch of games, I mean, he just seems to hit big shots for us. So I- I'll be referring to him as Mr. Fourth Quarter from here on out. Um, I hate it for Kimba. I really do. I wanted Kimba to work out. Uh, you know, we talked about Kimba not really looking very aggressive early on in the season and that he'll settle into it. It just it hasn't happened. Uh, and I think – if I'm not mistaken, he's had the worst plus minus, which I'm not somebody that's very high on the plus minus stat. Uh, but sometimes that can kind of tell something. And I think he has the highest on the team, which obviously indicates that when he's on the floor, the next struggling. Well, uh, high, you mean high, you mean highest as in like the lowest, the highest, yeah, yeah, the lowest, the highest, I'm sorry. Highest, yeah, the highest yeah, yeah, negative yeah. number. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry just, about that. Just, yeah, to, yeah. just to clarify. And yeah, th- I think thank everyone, you, Danny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, we knew what yeah, you were saying, but just right, to yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how much I don't. I don't even talk about the stat often, mm. so I can't refer to it correctly. Uh, I'm not a big plus minus guy, but I do think in this case, it is telling the tale that we are a better team without him on the floor right now, especially. So, uh, first off, Tibbs makes this move, and Danny, what were your thoughts behind the decision to not just take him out of the starting lineup to completely remove him from the rotation? Well, I have to be honest, I was surprised because we know how uh, stubborn Tibbs can be. I mean, he played Alfred Payton, started him all year last year, even though it was clear that, you know, a change might have helped the overall, you know, kind of the starters and the team and whatnot. And he stuck with Payton all year long until the playoffs, Uh, even going back to when he was in Chicago. He stuck with Keith Bogans for 82 games, playing him about 15 minutes a game. Uh, just, you know, because he's Tibbs and he, he likes sticking with his guns. Uh, so I was definitely like, first I was like, wow, I'm surprised. But then when you sit back and you, you start to analyze it a little bit, you're not surprised because a lot of people have been talking about this. Uh, I wrote about it after the Saturday game, 
you know, like this lineup looked a lot better. Burks was doing doing his thing um, on the starting lineup. IQ is starting to step out um, and kind of establish himself as a lead guard and a guy who can play make and be the be the primary ball handler. Uh, and then you had Grimes who was playing pretty well. So I think after that at Hawks game, you're thinking, would the Knicks be better off making a move right now? I was just surprised to see it. Um, and as for him taking Kemba out of the starting lineup for Alec Burks, I don't think that's that big, like crazy. Like I, I, I could see that happening. Obviously um, he played well starting the other night. Um, I am a little surprised that he's out of the rotation entirely, but obviously Tibbs is very um, trying to think of a good word. He, not protective, but you could tell he really wants to keep that second unit together. And I think the core there is, Rose quickly and now Obi because you can take Burks out and you can put him in the starting lineup as a point guard. And then you can bring Grimes in. Grimes isn't exactly like Burks, but he, you, he does enough good things to complement the other guys. You have Burks and Rose able to handle the ball. You've got Obi running the floor like a madman doing what he does. You got Grimes spotting up playing defense and then whoever the center may be that night, whether it's Taj Gibson or Nerlens or Sims, you'll have that one big guy in the middle kind of like doing the, the, the whole rim protection thing. So I get why he pulled him all the way out um, of the starting lineup, be, or all the way out of the rotation. I mean, just because it keeps those three guys that I think he really feels are very important to that second group, keeps them together. Um, and even on nights where Rose can't play, I think Tibbs at this point is going to be more inclined to go with IQ as the lead guard on that second unit and just shorten it up to nine men with Grimes as opposed to uh, putting Kemba back in. Um, Cause obviously Kemba, the way he plays, like it's, he, he's I don't, like, and I'm not saying he's a selfish player or anything, but like he needs the ball in his hands. It's like a little bit of an adjustment um, to play with him. So I could see more likely just kind of Kemba riding that bench, unless there's a significant injury. Um, and I guess with that said, what what I kind of expect to see happen now is the Knicks look to find a place to move him. That's uh, what I'm going to next. Yeah, get him. I think I think that's the logical move where if he's not going to be in the rotation other than, you know, a season-ending injury, I think the Knicks would probably be um, willing to kind of find him a place where it – and I think he could be a good second-unit guard. Like, I think he could still be like a backup point guard and and have a role somewhere – He's obviously not the all-star that he once was, uh, but if the Knicks can find a place to send him after that 12-15 um, cutoff date, because I don't think he can't be traded until after December 15th, but if they can find a place to send him, a place where they say, yeah, he'll play for us, so we'll give him minutes, I could see that happening. But, uh, but yeah, it's just a little little, little sad to see uh, kind of Kemba get taken out of the rotation, but you can't, you can't, make, your, you can't make your basketball decisions based on – the rollout you had for, you know, the prodigal son returning Kemba's finally playing in New York, Madison square garden loves it. Like, yeah, all that stuff kind of looks silly in retrospect, but at the same time, I thought it was like goodwill on both sides. Like the fans were happy. He was happy. Uh, but you know, being happy and rooting for a hometown kid doesn't, doesn't help you on the court if it's, if it's not working. So eventually what well, we're 20 games in Tibbs just decided it's time to make a move. I think a few weeks ago, he said something like it's 10 games. You know, you say 
well, it's okay. We'll figure it out. 20 games. Next thing you know, it's 20 games, 30 games, 40 games. And then the season's over and you saw, you know, Tibbs said something along those lines and clearly he, they hit 20 games and he said, I'm switching. I'm done. Yeah. You know, was, we got to make a move. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing they, they gave him an opportunity, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. just a short little sample size that, you know, they, they gave him a chance to see if he can, you know, kind of put it together. And it was just a struggle from the beginning. Like I said, I mean, personal side of it, and and Danny, you're 100% right. You can't look at it as a personal side of it. Like, yeah, it was a cool story of him coming back. I mean, I know for me, that I know from other fans, they want it to work out, right? You know, mm-hmm. they and have a, you know, a spark for him, but it, it just it wasn't happening. It, it was not happening, and because of that, it's it, the move is necessary to make. You know, I am a little surprised, like you said, Danny. Uh, to see him completely out of the rotation altogether. Because when I first seen it, I just seen that he's out of the starting rotation mm-hmm. uh, and that Burks is going to be starting at goal- guard. And I was thinking, like, okay, he'll get some minutes off the bench thing. And then as I kept reading more information on it, it was he also said that he's just out of the rotation in general right now. And that I was a little surprised to see. But, again, it is something that I, that I understand. Um, doesn't mean that I'm – not going to be a little bummed about it because, you know, I wanted Kimba to work out and was rooting for him. It just, it just didn't happen 20 games in. Uh, and that you already answered it. What does this mean for him next? That's the first thing I thought about. I don't see him kind of just sitting on the bench for the rest of the year. You know, I think if the Knicks have an opportunity to move him, somebody else wants to take a flyer on him, they will do that. So I think that the Knicks will explore that. Now, if nobody's, you know, interested in it, then, then yeah, he's, He's going to be sitting on the on the bench, and like you said, unless if there is a long term injury or something where you have to kind of put him back in, uh, you know, his time as a Nick and playing is certainly coming to to an end. It's necessary but disappointing. Wanted to work out, and you know, I've seen some things today. Just interested in your thoughts on and a lot of a lot of uh, talk about how the Knicks are paying more for Kimball Walker, which I. You know, based off of what they're paying them to take a chance on them, I don't have a problem with. But everybody's comparing it to a Dennis Schroeder and how much he's making and how the Knicks could have maybe gone that route. Uh, to me, I, I don't. It doesn't bother me as much that the Knicks didn't didn't go down that route because I feel like you know we've had some young guards. I think you know, I think quickly is capable of taking bigger minutes. I liked what I've seen from the other guards that have gotten their opportunities there. So it doesn't bother me as much, but do you think there's something to that? Do you think it was a, a bad move to get involved with Kimball Walker from the beginning and maybe missed out on somebody like Schroeder, who's been pretty productive in, in Boston and has had some big games for them this year. And he's only making 2.5 million. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I probably, if, I mean, if you get right now, you said Schroeder or Kemba, obviously Dennis Schroeder is the answer. Um, before the year, I think I probably would have gone with Kemba. Uh, and I think it was a worthwhile, you know, I I think it made sense for the Knicks to take a flyer on Kemba, even though, you know, they gave him two years, eight million per year, whatever it was. Uh, I think it made sense for them because if he was healthy, if he still had that burst, he could kind of be something for him. So I don't think it was a terrible move on their part. And like we said, they're going to be there. They might be able to find somebody who will take a flyer on him. Um, and dump that contract. It's not a terrible contract. So I don't think this is something where people should be, you know, doing all this hand wringing about the contract. 
Um, Schroeder, obviously, right now looking like a better contract um, and a better, just obviously a better deal for the the Celtics. But like you said, I, I'm not going to sit here and completely second guess the decision um, to to go for Kemba over Schroeder. I mean, Schroeder's making six million a year. Kemba's making eight, uh, and then. Like you said, I think probably the Knicks are better off giving quickly minutes and letting him develop this year as opposed to having Schroeder, which quickly would be getting minutes anyway if they got Schroeder. But letting quickly grow into a bigger role, I think, is going to be better for the Knicks long term than if they had just signed Schroeder and given him big minutes and then, you know, quickly still relegated to that 20 ish minute role. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not like really too upset that the Knicks don't have uh, yeah. Dennis Schroeder. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, some, it's just one of those things like, oh, it didn't work out and Schroeder's playing pretty well and look how much they're paying him compared to the Knicks. I get I get from that aspect of it, but I don't think Kimball Walker working out or not working out makes or breaks us. You know, it was one of those things where, yeah, you, even in the offseason, we needed to add some some depth at the point guard position, I felt like. Um, it, it didn't work out obviously, but I don't think it makes it break this. I think, you know, quickly is, it is capable of taking a bigger role. Uh, and you know, I am a little, I, at times we've seen Alex Burke run the point guard last year and I, I didn't really ever think of him being a, a point guard caliber, you know, like a true point guard, um, obviously has done a decent job in the, times that he's been running the point you know there was a few times last year we were shorthanded on guards with some injuries he ran it uh things like that I mean I'd rather have him in the point guard role than what they tried remember when they tried with RJ Barrett uh that Mm -hmm. put him in that ball handler role and that's not RJ's game at all it's it's just not it's not something that he's very comfortable with no I I think I think RJ can be a ball I don't think he's a point guard but he's a he's a a very good ball handler like secondary guy that that yeah but I'm I'm talking about like the guy to run the offense and I don't also when when they did that with RJ that was the Fisdale team where yeah yeah you know yeah that's true that was a Fisdale team where he had nobody around him so right I still don't think that that's RJ's game, though. No, and he's better. He's better off as a secondary guy, right? Uh, you know, and I'm I'm curious to see how Burks can continue uh, with it. Um, you know, like I said, I've never really looked at him as a point guard, but now he's a point guard, and I guess I never really paid attention. If I'm being honest, I've just been watching him hit big shots in the fourth quarter uh, of games, but. Um, now to sit back and see how he does as a point guard is something that I have to pay attention to. But one of the things, Danny, as we jump back on, on Kimba Walker here, um, the, we went through a stretch of games where the starters just could not figure it out, right? Like the bench was the reason why we were in games. Sometimes the bench made a, a massive run that gave us a chance to come from behind in some games, and the offense really was struggling. To me, I think, you know, does that fall on the shoulders of Kimba Walker? Maybe, you know, like, was he holding that starting group back? I don't think so. I I just feel like, because he started the games, but he wasn't even out there the full times with the starters, right? They they made some, you know, Derrick Rose was out there some quickly. uh, Burks, you know, they, they had different things. It wasn't just Kimba Walker out there. So I don't think he was the reason for the struggles a couple of weeks ago, I think it was more about just guys looked a little unsure of themselves 
out there. I felt like something we talked about early on this season about the three-point shooting. Should we be concerned about them taking as many threes as they were? And all of us were in agreement that we shouldn't be. And I'm still not. I'm not going back on that saying, oh, no, no, we need to dial it back. You know, stop taking so many threes. It's not what I'm saying. I think the struggle, though, from the starters was they were taking a lot of threes and they necessarily weren't the best shot, right? They kind of were settling for the three ball and not attacking and not making that extra pass. It was just really you catch it, you shoot it right away type thing. That that, That was something that I kind of picked on that I wasn't thrilled about the shot selection. Not I also, I choice. think, like, I think Kemba, Kemba Walker was a reason why the Knicks starters were not playing well, but he was not the only reason. Right. Like what you said, maybe, you know, shot selection at times was a little poor. Julius Randle and RJ Barrett are not shooting it well. Uh, but I would say if there was something that you could do to shake up the starting lineup, this was the obvious and the, I think, the, the thing that will make the biggest impact. Like, Obi Toppin's not starting for Julius Randle. RJ Barrett's not coming out of the starting lineup unless he really starts to, you know, stink it up on both ends. The move to be made was taking out, taking out Kemba Walker and putting in somebody with a little more, a little more burst, a little more wiggle. And honestly, a better defender too. Burks is long. He can, he can defend point guards. He can defend wings. Uh, The other day they were switching him onto, and they were having him start on John Collins playing defense so that if Trey young would be setting up a screen or setting up the pick and roll on him, they could just switch Burks onto, onto uh, Trey young and then have John Collins come, go on quickly and then do some switching out of that or, or, you know, what have you. So they trust Burks to do a lot of different things defensively that you would never do with Kemba, because if you put Kemba one-on-one with John Collins like that, John Collins is just going in the post or dumping it into him and he's scoring every time. Burks obviously is not a good post matchup against John Collins, but that's not something that you, the Hawks are going to be running every time down. So I think the the added defense will be actually a bigger, bigger. We'll notice that more than we'll notice the offense. Actually, I, no, I take that back. It, it, I think the the defensive changes with Burks instead of Walker will have a bigger impact than the offensive changes, but you you'll probably notice the offense more just because offense right. is offense. Right. And, you know, I, I think some of the things and a lot of the, the things I wanted to kind of get to in this and kind of bounce around a little bit here uh, that, that we're talking about the rotational thing. And obviously he made this adjustment with Kimball Walker, but one thing else that I wanted to kind of get into here is, and I'm going to see if you agree, but I want to see more minutes for Obi top. Like, I, I know we kind of been talking about this, you know, the last episode, I think we talked about some of the big guys that were hurt. Mitchell Robinson always is hurt. I mean, that's just anytime he's out on the floor that you, you're going to see him limp off at some point. It just, it's every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Noel is banged up. Uh, we, you know, Gibson, Gibson has been is banged hurt up. right now. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of talked about this before and, uh, you know, one thing that I felt like keeps Tibbs from sticking with top and is defensive issues, you know, but I mean, I want to see him out there more. Mm. Like he gets these short little spurts and he is so damn productive in those spurts. So and you it, make it's this not, 
Yeah, no, right. sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Say it's not defensive issues because Obi can't play defense. The issues yeah, it's are just that the matchup. It's that Tibbs, his defense, he likes having that rim protector. Like he, he, he feels in his safe space when he has that rim protector right, on the right, floor. Right. Even if it's Jericho Sims, you know, like even if it's if it's a two way player, he wants that big guy. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's he's just brings so much energy. Jericho Sims is somebody I do like, though. I, I, mm-hmm. He kind of cracked me up the other night. I don't know if you caught it, Danny, but there was a times he got like a rebound or like a lob inside, and the defender wasn't even covering him, and he just never looked at the basket, just never turned. Yeah, but that's, a, that's his biggest you know, you problem. See the bench going like, shoot. His, you his know, biggest problem right now is that he he's hesitant inside because you see that where like he catches the ball and it's like a guard on him or nobody. And he, he just doesn't go up with it right away. Or what you see is he'll get like an offensive rebound in traffic or like a dump down. And the first thing he does is he either brings it down to his, you know, his waist or he puts it on the ground to try and go up, get stripped. I mean, that's his biggest problem right now is, I mean, you're a big guy. I'm sure you, I'm sure you were told by a million coaches growing up when you get the ball, Keep it high, you know, keep it high, keep it strong. Like, I don't think they teach chinning the ball anymore because obviously the elbows you know, for the people listening, I'm swinging my elbows and, you know, that's a no, no go anymore. But yeah, he needs to, he just needs to be stronger with it inside and stop bringing it down. So guys like, uh, you know, guys like uh, Trey Young and whoever can start smacking it away. By the way, first game in two years, last Monday. An epic disaster. I was four of sixteen <laughs> shooting. It was so it was so bad. I like it wasn't even a fast paced game. It was moving too fast for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So I, I have a revenge game for myself, sort of speaking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just you mentioned mentioned the big yeah. guy. I've heard that. Keep, keep the ball keep high. Keep the ball high. You know. Yeah. You, you know. But no. Um. But back on the on the top and thing, man. I just again, I've said this a couple of weeks ago, and you hear it all the time. I heard it all the time as a young player. And then you hear coaches tell young players this all the time about if you just run the floor, you'll get like four to six more points easily mm-hmm. per yeah. game. And I would always sit back on like, yeah, right. I'm not running the damn floor. Cause I was lazy. I'm a la- I, I hate running Danny. I don't know if you know this about me, but I absolutely hate running. It's like, that, I, you know, what's crazy. Box. There are kids, there are kids out there who they do it for fun. They, it's called running track and running That's cross not country. Fun. Nah, it's yeah. Not fun. Not for it's me. It's not fun. It's just not. It, I absolutely I like getting the rebound so I can be the trailer. Take mm-hmm. my time coming up the floor. You know, I will fight. I'm like Kamel Anthony. I will fight my own teammates and scream yeah. out things to them. <laughs> Fuck to out of Yeah, just so I can be that guy to trail up the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's so true when you watch top. Just the hustle. Every game, he gets himself six points a night by just running the floor. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. The first one down the floor, beating the defense pass there. And man, I just, I think back to all the trash that people were talking about him early on last season about how he's a bust and he's this and he's that. And it's just like, what do you think of him now? Because yeah. he has, he's not getting big minutes, but what he gets every night is highly productive. Yeah. He just looks so much better in every aspect of the game. And I, I know, like, Tibbs has that I want to play my vets. And I'm actually surprised it took 20 games for him to make this mm-hmm. move to Kimba. But it's it's also, I think, another thing that needs to happen is to give him some more run. Yeah, I, I think play a little more small ball. And obviously what they can do, especially now when you have a guy like Burks who they, you know, are playing him at point guard, what you, what 
that Tibbs can do, and we've seen this a little bit more from him recently, he can start playing, you know, just switch everything where, you know, you say you have, you got Randall at the five, Obi at the four, and then, you know, RJ Burks quickly, you know, whatever. The rest of the lineup isn't important, but you have Randall at the five, Obi at the four, and then you just say switch everything, get out on shooters, you know, kind of play out fast and loose. They don't have that rim protector, so they will be a little vulnerable. But if you got guys like RJ, Quickly, Burks, who can defend the perimeter, you're not going to need that, you know, safety blanket as much. And I think Tibbs is showing he can change a little bit by switching up his starting lineup. Maybe that's the next change we'll see for him where he starts uh, going, going a little bit more to small ball. Um, and I guess the other thing that I was just thinking, because uh, Saturday's game, Obi was playing great in that second quarter. I think he had 11 points in nine minutes. Uh, and, you know, he get, he comes out, Randall comes back in, Hawks shr- shrink the lead that the Knicks have. And you see on Twitter, everyone complaining, why'd you take out Obi? Why'd you take out Obi? The way he plays, though, like he was dead. If you watched him on those last few possessions, he's in the game. He's in the corner with his hands on his knees, like huffing and puffing because he he runs so hard on every play. So I've, I'm not saying I'm not in favor of more Obi Toppin minutes, but it, if you're going to get him more minutes, you have to change up the way you play him because you can't just play him for a straight full, you know, second quarter. Right. Because he's just going to gas himself out, you know, seven, eight minutes in. Uh, so, you know, kind of changing that up and maybe seeing more um, more small ball down the stretch of games, which now every team plays small ball. But for a while, small ball was like the thing that you saw in the last six minutes, last five minutes of the game where teams would just, you know, automatically switch to that that small ball to counter kind of like what the Warriors were doing way back when. So maybe we start to see that from Tibbs. I mean, he's an old school guy. That was, you know, about five years ago where every team was doing that. Maybe uh, maybe he's catching up with the times. Who knows? I just I, – I, I would love to see him get a little bit more, just a few more minutes. I just – every time he's out there, he's just fun to watch. And we talk about, you know, the, the games that the starters were struggling. Toppin was a big part of, of getting, you know, us back into games, being that, you know, out there with the second unit and playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just continue to love what I see – from him but now as we kind of change gears one more time and turn our focus into uh the big headline matchup tomorrow with our crosstown rivals uh the the brooklyn nets uh that takes place tomorrow i'm guessing it's a national televised game if it's tuesday night uh being on tnt usually is a tuesday night's short slate of basketball games so I don't know for sure if there, but if I had to guess, I think that's a that's that, yeah, that's, that's the national broadcast, that's right? T, that's TNT yeah. and then Warriors Suns afterwards. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah, of course, obviously we had one big game against the the, the Hawks already, right? That's one that we <clears> want to win anytime we play them. I, I think, you know, for me, this year, anytime we play the Bulls, I want to beat the Bulls just because of the narrative that they had the better mm-hmm. offseason, as we mentioned before. Do not want to lose to the Bulls at all. Um, then, obviously, you know, the Hawks are another team because of Trey Young and everything, you know, happened last year. And they were talking about this in the broadcast. Like, you can't erase the playoff loss. But, you know, I think it was Wally Zerbiak that said, you can at least let them know we're here. And, mm-hmm. and if you have to face us again at some point yeah. in the playoffs, it would be, and I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I, I think that's, send a little bit of a message. that's a good, that's a good yeah. mentality. That's, to have. Yeah. 
you're definitely not going to be able to erase it from a regular season win, but you could send that message. And that, I mm. think that's the truth. So I think the Knicks did an amazing job of that. And that felt pretty good bouncing back from a loss. So um, I was happy to see that because they looked like crap against the Suns, which the Suns are 16 straight wins. I mean, well, at a and, different caliber. And, but that's the thing with the Knicks. They like, I know there's been a lot of doom and gloom amongst Knicks fans over the season so far because they have underachieved almost and like they haven't looked great at times, but they have had, you know, they'll, they'll bounce back from a loss just as easily as they will fade after, you know, a big win. So obviously like kind of going into this Nets game, don't really know what to expect because the Nets have been really good against, uh, against bad teams and they've been pretty bad against good teams. So where do the Knicks fall? The Knicks a good team? Are they a bad team? Are they a middle of the road team? So yeah, I'm not not entirely sure what to expect going into this game. Yeah, and and this the aspect of, of the disappointment of, of feeling like they're they're underachieving a bit at this point. You know, this whole coming into the season, new faces. You know, for the most part, you got you got you know your your free agent signings. You had guys like Kimba. Um, I kind of figured that there would be some consistency issues from them. And then I kind of looked for it really Christmas to be that mark to kind of see this team start turning things around and playing a little bit more consistent. So we're that's not, a, that's about what yet. it was last yeah. year. I think, yeah. you know, it took a, took a, a few, a couple months for them to kind of find out who they were. And then they started rolling in the second half, but sometimes even for the teams that are already established, that's still the case. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like, you know, right around like the Lakers right now are kind of, up and down, um, you know, you you kind of will see that. I think right around Christmas is when you want to start seeing your teams play pretty consistent basketball. Um, so we're, we're obviously a few weeks away from that. So I still think there's time to work out the kinks, find out what works. You know, this is also around the time last year that we started seeing Tibbs shorten his rotation a little bit more because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we played early on last season and obviously we're not as deep as we are this year. But, you know, Kevin Knox got some minutes early on, and then eventually that kind of abruptly stopped. So you kind of figured at some point he was going to shorten the rotation out. Um, So the consistency aspect of it and the up and down, I kind of expect that to be over the next couple of weeks. I would like to see by that Christmas date, though, they start to turn it on. And, you know, with this game coming against Brooklyn, um, you know, it's just, again, it's one of those things where you just don't want to lose them. At the end of the day, I mean, you look at the caliber team that Brooklyn is, they're in a different caliber, you know, level mm-hmm. than us. They're in that championship tier may not be something that we want to admit, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's the truth, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. Brooklyn should beat us. They, they absolutely, they have the bigger superstars. They, you know, they're a team that should be in the mix to compete for a championship. We're kind of outside that. We're a good quality team. We're going to play them tough. Uh, but it, it's one of those games that I go into kind of like the Phoenix game uh, from a couple of days ago. I kind of go into it not really expecting the win, but I don't want to see what happened in that Phoenix game yeah. where we just were not competitive. Yeah. Um, we just never gave ourselves the chance. All I can ask for is at the end of the game, do we have an opportunity to win? And you know what? If we get beat by a better team, does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. But it is what it is. And you can kind of live with that and accept that a little bit more. What I can't is, like I said, that Phoenix game, we just had no shot. We gave ourselves no opportunity at the end to be in it. Um, And that's disappointing. So all I can ask for tomorrow is 
that we come out ready to play and compete and fight them and see what happens. You know, if you give yourself a chance down the stretch of a game, you know what? They, they might make a mistake or two, or they might miss mm. a shot or two that puts you ahead and gives you that opportunity to win it. So that's kind of my expectations for tomorrow night. Uh, just go out there, compete, play hard, give yourself a chance to win in the final four or five minutes of that game. And then from there, whatever happens, happens. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where competitively and personally, yeah, I just, I want to beat the crap out of them mm-hmm. by 25 and just laugh at them. But is that going to happen? No, because they have Kevin Durant. That, yeah. I, I mean, the guy is literally a cheat code. Like every time I watch him, it's how the hell do you stop him? You, you can't. You got to hope mm-hmm. to God he misses because he could get to wherever he wants <clears throat> on the floor. It's just, God. And that, that guy yeah, is I, good. I'll, I guess maybe I'll, maybe I'll start up clean sweep again and do, do a solo episode to give full thoughts on the Nets. But since this is Nick's state of mind, I'll give my simple, my simple take on the Nets right now. Everyone's ready to declare him dead because Harden doesn't look like Harden and Kyrie's not there, but they're still in first place in the Eastern Conference. And there's a long way to go with a lot that can happen. Right now, the the Nets are a good team. I don't know if they're a championship winning team as they are currently playing. That doesn't seem like it it would fly with me, but it's a long season. Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. James Harden is not looking good. But a lot of people are like, are just ready to to start dancing on his grave, and I I don't know if I would jump the gun there yet. Right. That's that's what I mean. That's exactly. He, yeah. What I mean. It's Ky- Kyrie could go. Kyrie could go get the shot tomorrow, and be playing in a game by next week. I wouldn't count out the Brooklyn Nets just yet, and I guess that's my long term kind of take on the Nets my short-term take is a, a agreement with you. Um, stopping Kevin Durant is going to be very difficult for the Knicks. That's been difficult for a lot of teams to do this year. And Kevin Durant is really the, he's really the, you know, the number one reason, obviously why the Nets are first place in the Eastern conference, 16 and seven. And then you have guys like Patty Mills and Lamarcus Aldridge who are having great seasons, um, you know, kind of like resurgent seasons for those guys. Then you got guys like Deandre Bembry who, kind of is coming out of nowhere to be, be a really nice little role player, Bruce Brown, like the nets are not perfect right now, but I think they are going to be a tough matchup for the Knicks. Uh, I guess you could say you call it a good, nice little litmus test for this new, new rotation. See how they do against the best team in the East. Yeah. And just, again, I think all you could ask for is just to have yourself a shot at, at the mm. end. And I think they will. I do. I, I mean, if you ask me how I think the game will go tomorrow, I think the Knicks are going to be in position to perhaps win it. I don't, uh, yeah. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I don't think no, so, I don't but... think it's going to be quite the Phoenix game. I, I, mm. I don't, I mean, it could happen and that would suck, but you know, Phoenix did uh, that to, to the Nets pretty much. I mean, the Nets kept yeah. it closer. They, they had a couple of runs where it, it ended up looking closer than the game actually was, but Phoenix, they handled Brooklyn pretty good too. So yeah. That there's it, that. I, I think we'll be in the game. It's just down the stretch of it. Are we going to be able to execute? And really, um, it's about – and it, you're not going to stop Kevin Durant. You're not going to completely shut him down. You just got to make him work hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still going to hit shots, and you go, you got to be kidding me. How the hell did he do that? It's just because he's that good of a player. You just got to make him work for it. And if you do that, you're giving yourself a chance. If you make it easy, because in that Phoenix game, how many times did you catch Devin Booker by, by, by himself? Mm-hmm. Pretty much the whole game. 
I don't think anybody they, covered yeah, them. They didn't the whole game, nobody was it. on them. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you just made it easy for a great player to kind of light us up like that. You can't do that with Kevin Durant. Um, and, and I think the defense will be better, like I said. Um, I, do we win the game? Like I said, if we have a shot, anything can kind of happen. If you ask me, I don't think we win this game. Uh, I, I just don't. I think we're – and I know Brooklyn is playing inconsistent as well, but I think we're still kind of trying to figure some things out and kind of gel and mold into that team that we can be. Um, and because of that, you just don't know what team shows up. I mean, we could jump out of the gates and just light them up. It, it, it's possible right now. It's just we don't know. We don't have that consistency, and we're changing things in the rotation. We're shortening up the rotation. Um you know, trying to figure out what works best for us. And we're still doing that 20 games in to tell you, you just don't really know uh, what, what you get now. So I don't have expectations to win it. I just want to have a chance to win. it. Mm-hmm. That's all I can ask for going into tomorrow. That's basically where I, I can leave it at for the big matchup against the Nets uh, for tomorrow night. Now it wouldn't be a Nick state of mind podcast. If I don't have a second to hit the panic button on something. Uh, Danny, what the hell is Brian Cashman doing? What's he doing? Seriously, what is he doing? Has anybody seen him? I I have no answer to that question yet. Hopefully, hopefully by the time people are listening to this tomorrow on Tuesday, something happened good. Maybe an Olsen trade or, you know, sign well, somebody. We just lost, we just lost Seager, which, mm-hmm. yep. again, these are massive contracts, so they don't blame them for not wanting to get into I don't blame mm-hmm. them for not wanting to like, jump into a tenure deal with somebody. You got you to gotta do something. But you got to do something. We are not – we got holes on this team and had holes on this team. Yeah, I have guys out there that can <clears> fill those holes. I need you to stop filling holes with holes. Can, can you do that for – Brian Cashman listens to the podcast. I know he does. So, Brian, I need you to stop filling holes with holes and go do something. I, right. I wanted another starter behind uh, – Cole, that's not happening now. I, 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 everybody's gone basically that I had interest in. Um, so I have a feeling somebody else is going to be added that it's going to be like he might work out, he might be good, and he might be awful, which is not a good thing. Uh, and it now it seems like the shortstop option is either Correa, who I cannot stand, um, or Trevor Story, who fits the mold of what the Yankees already have a lot of strikeouts, a lot of home runs. You can add somebody else to the mix that will do the same thing that these guys are doing, and it dry, it's driving me nuts. But I, I mean, the fact that the reports are saying the Yankees are going to spend and go on a spending spree for the first time since 2009 when they won the World Series, I haven't seen it. And you know what? The, the collection of bargain agreement ends in two days. <laughs> guys want to sign now because there's so much uncertainty, mm-hmm. and he's what the hell is he doing? That's all, right. all I want to know. Ready for positivity, though? Yes. Tell me some positive news. J-E-T-S. Yeah. Yeah, we did win a game. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I always know. a good podcast. I don't I don't know if you're one of the people who was like, oh, who's Zach Wilson? He's a boss. Yes, oh. that's every, everybody's he's, flipping. He's a rookie. I, he's a rookie. I think let's, I, I, think let's I talked. Give him, let's give him some I, time. That's my only thing I'll say on Zach Wilson. He's a rookie. Give him some time. But so much other stuff was great. The D-line was phenomenal. The, the run game line, was awesome. The offensive line was very good. The kicker there was, sucks. There was some, yeah, well, but <laughs> there was some, there was some miscommunications in the like the in the first half with the O line and the pass protection wasn't perfect. 
but the O-line was good. So the Jets yeah. won in the trenches, which I think if you're building a team, obviously getting a star quarterback is a cheat code. But if you're building a team, you build in the trenches and then out. Jets came back from down 14-3. Like, there's a lot of good things. And, but I think and that, that was a good drive by Zach when it was 14-3. It, it was. Give a, it yeah, was. Yeah, he and, he and made he, some big throws on that drive. And it was more of a game manager type, those drives yeah. where they got some good stuff out of it. But I'll take that. Yeah. My one thing, though, I thought that was Salah's best game as a head coach because even and the kicker being shit actually forced him to be a little more aggressive, aggressive. down 14, play three calling the, down 14 three in the in the first half. You almost never see head coaches go for two there. I probably if I was a head coach, I probably wouldn't have gone for a two there. Either, in the yeah. second half. I like doing it first half. I wouldn't. But I like aggressive. Yeah. Then in the second half, they, or I think was it the second half or the first half, they had that that like fourth down, fourth and one, where they went for it, called a couple timeouts. So it wasn't it wasn't like that was in the second perfect. half. That was fourth yeah, quarter. it wasn't perfect, but they it was good. They it ended out okay. We had to settle for thing, a field goal anyway, but, but we burned but you like, more time. You, right, yeah, you like the out. aggressiveness, you like right. the mindset, and then the one thing that really popped to me was the Jets scoring putting the pressure, calling the timeouts, trying to, you know, trying to get the ball back with like a minute left and then go down and score when they were getting the ball at half anyway. Like that's the stuff that I've seen so many other teams do to the Jets for years now. Yeah. Where it's like they put the screws on the Jets and they put the pressure and they're saying like, no, we're we're taking all of our time in this first half and we're trying to, you know, fucking we're trying to kill it. Right. That's what it felt like the Jets were finally doing to somebody else. And I think that's just like a a that's just like a product of Salah being aggressive to start and just like going all in on like, we think we can win this game and we're going to attack it. So yes, Zach wasn't perfect. There were some ugly throws, some ugly decisions. He's got happy feet, but he's a rookie. So many, so much other stuff from that game was very, very positive. So I'm, I'm feeling I think good. another way to look at it though, is like my, my take from it was I, I at this point, I didn't really want to, I was reluctant to, start again with another quarterback so i was in the trend of might as well just keep donald see what you can get that didn't work out either because he's you know he, he was god awful in, in in charlotte so i mean we're we didn't lose anything by having the reset and it's not like the panthers are any better with cam i know exactly you know people fell in love when he ran for that touchdown oh yeah i, I, asked, I asked a played. lot of panther fans you still pumped about cam back you know they, they, his cam's return home was even shorter than Campbell walker's it's crazy <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, no, I, I see a lot of people are like, oh, my God, Zach's inaccuracy from short passes is, is the end of the world. And it is concerning, but he's played, what, six or seven games? Yeah, come on. Like, give, and I talked to a lot of Nick fans that are Jet fans that are like, oh, this guy's a bus. And I'm like, do you not remember that Nick fans were doing that after the first summer league game with R.J. Barrett? <laughs> you, you don't hear that no more. Or – the first 15 games of last season that Obi Toppin is, it was the worst draft pick ever. And mm -hmm. here we go again. And you don't hear that no more, it, you know, and I've kind of learned over the years that you got to be a little bit more patient. Like, yeah, you want, and especially since it's been 10 or 11 years of just a shit show with the jets. I mean, we've had one fun year that turned out to finish in a disaster mm -hmm. in 2016, but I mean, you, 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 you don't have patience. But you got to give the kid a little bit more time. Yeah, you just give him time. I'm in that boat. I mean, I see a lot of good things despite being a lot of bad. That interception was bad. Like yeah. bad. 
And you could like, say it was, horrible. you know, it was bad on Johnson because right. he's got to open up for his quarterback. Like you could blame but, it on but somebody there's else. There's no but, point of doing that because yeah, it's nah, completed. It's just, Where, where's Ty Johnson going to go? You might as well just slide, get down, punt the ball. You know, the kid's trying to make a play. Yeah. And, and, and I do see plenty of things that are, that are good. The kid has a cannon, you know, when he, when he sits mm-hmm. comfortably, makes the throw, makes the throw and he threw some nice balls. You know, there was a couple mm-hmm. of plays that, we just don't have the playmaking ability on our skill position players, like especially at tight end. Like yes, that's the, the biggest. Robert, yeah. That's a touchdown. That Ryan right. Griffin throw was a yeah. touchdown to a decent. Uh, you know, and I don't want to put Ryan Griffin down, but he's he should not. He's be not your, making a play. He's not your tight. I end just one. seen Mark Andrews make a one-handed play that was exactly, yeah. a little underthrown like that. We don't have. And that. I'm not. I'm not even saying you need Mark Andrews. Like I don't think yeah, they're saying I'm just that saying either. Like a little it's bit just, more playmaking yeah, ability. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like that, we, that was we that was the best that was the best throw Zach made all day. Right, like, that, right. that was a dime, and yeah. Ryan Griffin just doesn't get it. Right, so it's it's there is some good. You can't just look at it, and there's, there's plenty of bad. You can't just look at the bad and go, "Oh my God, this kid's a bust." He has the potential. I honestly do believe that. The yeah. more that I see him, um, yeah, I want him to fine tune some things, but it's going to take some time. You know, and hopefully and, by the end of the season, we get a little hope carrying into next year. And That's if, all his, we can if his if his teammates can keep playing well like this, the O line and D line, they can maybe, right. maybe steal a couple wins, boost the confidence, bring some momentum into next year. And I know Jets are there are going to be a certain segment of Jets fans. Whoa, with a draft pick, draft pick, like oh, we're going to miss out on this guy. Just That's not it's, the thing. Yeah, it's you're better off trying to build something and win some games and trying to get some experience than that. And also Jets could have four picks in the top 40 of the draft. Exactly. The right now, I think the Seahawks are set are the fifth, the fifth pick in the draft. Yeah. So we have that first round pick and then we have the Panthers uh, second round pick. And clearly the Panthers like are going down in flames. They have a really tough schedule to finish out the year. So yeah, Jets, Jets could be picking four Tampa times twice. They have four to play times, Tampa yeah. twice. Tampa twice at New Orleans. Bills Falcons aren't an easy game. Like they they have got a tough tough stretch. Right. Uh So you know, yeah. I, I think last year was obviously I wanted to lose every game under the sun. This year we win a game. It's it's different because we'll have multiple picks. And what we need may not be a top three pick. You know what I mean? Like there might not be the best guy for us because quite frankly, I think we need a, a, we got to find a corner, like a lockdown corner, but you know, that that's for a whole nother podcast. Another thing out there, Bryce Hall, baby, Bryce Hall. Yeah. I love Bryce Hall. He's just got to locate the damn ball. That's it. Like he does such a good job in coverage, but find the damn ball. (laughs) That's what I need him to do. He just, I do like Bryce Hall. And I felt like that that Brandon, that Brandon cook such on was just a nasty grab. Like I, I, but I, yeah, you, you burnt is, time to time. Yeah, I, I, I like Revis, Revis got happened, burnt, but we, we, he's not a number one. I don't think he's a number one. We I need could, to find I could see him as a number one in, in the, I need uh, Revis. I need a zone. Revis type. Yeah. I know that's well, like that's very rare. I yeah, get that. They, they don't make them. They don't make, was, they don't make them like Revis anymore. No, they don't. They, they certainly don't, but I was spoiled with it. And once you yeah. have it, you can't go back, you know? So I, I would like to find that. And, you know, I think we can use another pass rusher to add to the line yeah, because, definitely. you know, we'll have Lawson back next year to do it, you know. Um, so, can't hurt to have it. Uh, can't hurt to have more pass rushers. Yeah. Never. Basically, for the rest of this year, I just want to see Zach just get better. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his best game. First time in four weeks. Let's see what he can do next week against Philly. Just want to see more consistency. That's it. Yep. That's, you know, you get that. We can't complain. But 
other than that, that's it for me. Yep. You got anything I'm else all, you want to add? Nope. I'm all, I'm all out. Betting went well this week. I want a pretty good profit this week. I bet on a whole lot of college basketball with games starting at like 11 a.m. Oh, yeah. There's a ton really, of games. Really, really good. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I did pretty, pretty I well hope, this week. I hope you bet I, I own a money line against uh, Bama. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's what time does that start tonight? That, no, uh, that was uh, Thanksgiving. I oh, Thanksgiving. I own a, a beat Bama on Thanksgiving. Oh, no. I didn't touch that yeah. game. No, 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 no. Money, money line. Money line. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. That'd be. Yeah, um, I'm looking at some games today. Going to put some in. Uh, but last week was able to pay a car payment just with the gambling money one. So there I, you go. Doesn't you come go. out of my own paycheck. That Can't complain. Nope. Can't complain. Not at all. So let's wrap it up. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.